Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome back to America's Heroes Group. We are globally connected with Kaiser Health News. Today is Saturday, August 20th, 2022. August is National Wellness Month. You just heard our host, Cliff Clay, during the break. I'm Sean Claiborne, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have a great panelist with us now, Anari Patani. She's a, a national correspondent for Kaiser Health News, a nonprofit outlet covering U.S. health care and health policy. And we're going to talk about... A news article on social media posts that criticized 988, the new suicide hotline, for calling the police. Uh, what do we need to know about this? Ms. Batani, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. So what's happened? I heard that I have talked about this with people in the uh, in our studio. There was an incident recently where uh, um, someone was uh, had, had the police called on them when they caught, tried to get help on 988. So how, what's going on here and how does that work? So 988 is the new three-digit number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. So this is a a hotline that has existed for many years, um, but they now have given it a shorter number so that it's easier for people to remember and access. And the idea is it's sort of, it's the alternative to 911 for mental health emergencies. And so the idea in setting it up is that you don't call police um, for these sorts of emergencies. If someone is having a, a breakdown or is um, struggling with mental illness, that you'd have a different response for them. Uh, what's the sort of caveat to this, though, is um, and what folks have been talking about on social media and raising concerns about is if you call 988, the, the hotline, and they think you're at imminent risk to hurt yourself or someone else, like it's going to happen right away, um, they, in some cases, may still send police um, even if you do not consent. Um, so they try to work with you first and provide other resources and connect you to therapy and get you to agree to a safety plan. But if that doesn't happen, this hotline is one that will then take the step of, of calling emergency services, which in a lot of places in America that don't have mobile crisis teams of mental health professionals, it means um, the cops. Hmm. So, t- t- subscribe to me the mobile response teams that go out, and where are the, and what cities have these? So, mobile crisis teams are sort of um, uh, an emerging idea. They're becoming more prevalent, but the idea is these are folks who are trained in mental health. So, they might be counselors, they might be therapists, they might be psychiatrists. Their training is specific to de-escalating crises. Um, and these are folks who, you know, would not be armed like police. They're, they're more like mental um, or healthcare professionals. Uh, and in some cities, they respond on their own to emergencies like this. Uh, in some cities, they respond alongside police or fire or EMS. Um, and it's really, you know, they're popping up in more places. They tend to be in the larger cities. Um, but some, you know, suburbs, some rural areas may have them as well. Um, but it's sort of, it's definitely not universal. And so that's sort of the first hope is if someone's in a mental health crisis and, and the lifeline needs to send services to their door, that it's a, it's a mobile crisis team. Um, 
but if you don't have those, then then that's certainly not an option. From what I understand, there's only like 2% of calls to 988 typically have some sort of police response or police being sent out to those calls. Is that about right? Does that sound about right? Yes, that's correct. So like I said, the goal of 988 is to not involve police or any sort of emergency services. The goal is to talk to people. And a lot of calls, frankly, um, you know, the lifeline officials say can be handled that way just by giving someone a person to talk to who is actively listening to them. What are their concerns? um, Helping them think about, you know, what are reasons to live still or, you know, how can I connect you to therapy or what are resources in your community? Um, The vast majority of calls can be solved that way. It's in the about 2% of calls, which is like roughly 48, 50,000 calls, given the volume of um, people calling this number. Uh, those are the cases where emergency services get involved. And sometimes, again, emergency services can mean mobile crisis, um, but also in that 2% is uh, law enforcement. Okay. And then is there a difference um, wherein, uh, say, it, is, it, is it 988? helpful for a child if say a child was going through a crisis can a child call 988 versus an adult how do you handle those two different situations so anyone can call 988 it is supposed to be sort of universally helpful you don't have to be an adult you don't have to be um a a citizen anything in particular um they won't ask you information they might ask you your name just so they know how to address you but the counselor who answers the call is going to help anyone and so you can be the person in crisis calling, but you can also be like the friend or family member of someone in crisis and call 988 to get um, advice or guidance about like how you should help your friend or family member. So it's supposed to be, you know, universally accessible to everyone. Okay. And so are, pe- are people warming up to 988 or they've been, have they been using it more as, it, as numbers going up as far as calls are getting things like that? Yeah, so in the first week after 988, the new, like, three-digit number came out, and it just came out last month in July. So the first week that it premiered, uh, the call volume went up 45%, so there was a huge uptick. Um, That has settled down a little bit since then, Uh, and I think what, in speaking with folks, what they think happened is a lot of people wanted to test out the new hotline, right? If I call it, is someone going to answer? How does it work? Is it is it is someone there? Hmm. Um, that being said, though, you know there's uh, going to be a lot more awareness campaigns moving forward to let people know about 988, and so a lot of the call centers are expecting you know more and more call volume over time, and that's something they are and will continue have, having to work on to be prepared to answer that volume of calls. Hmm. So what's what's the typical call um, when people when we when did you get from uh, nine eighty? I'm not sure if you have that information. Maybe if you work with nine eighty directly, but when people call in, what are the what are the typical things that they're calling about? Um, so what the nine eighty eight folks have told me is, you know, it's sort of a range. So um, one thing that surprises folks is uh, like thirty five percent of calls don't have to do with suicide at all. They're just other mental health. Um, concerns that people have. So it might be depression, it might be anxiety, it could it could be a particular diagnosis, it could just be, um, you know, I'm having a, a panic attack in this moment, or, you know, I've had so much anxiety, I haven't been, been able to sleep for three days. Um, so it really can run the gamut. And then, of course, there's a subset of calls where folks are dealing with um, thoughts of suicide, and, and that can again, run a wide spectrum. There are folks who are, are thinking about it but not actively planning and they just you know need someone to talk to. There are folks who are more in danger of harming themselves. And so um, the Lifeline is really 
they do try to train their counselors to be able to manage a variety of different um, mental, emotional crises. Hmm. And then is there, what do you think we need to do to get more um, awareness about mental health so that people are more apt to reach out for help? Do people wait too long sometimes to call 988? Um. So I don't, I don't have data on that, but from all the I've been covering mental health for for a while now, and all the folks I've spoken to, yes, I think by and large, you know, in our country, it's mental health is becoming less stigmatized, but it has been for so long, and it continues to be, um, and particularly um, for for different communities who might be dealing with other, you know, marginalization. Uh, reaching out for mental health care is hard. And so sometimes people are not reaching out until they're at that point of crisis. And it's great that we have 988 as a crisis hotline. But in the ideal world, right, we'd focus earlier when, when people start feeling um, symptoms of anxiety or depression or when they start understanding things are going wrong, they would maybe reach out to, if it's, if it's a child, you know, a school counselor or a nurse or something to that effect. If it's someone, if it's an adult, then maybe it's, a clergy member, maybe it's family and friends, maybe it's going out to seek a therapist um, or or a social worker or your community health center, kind of whatever those supports are, we'd have more of that. And if we got to it at an earlier stage, then we'd end up with less folks needing a crisis hotline because we could address it earlier. But I think we're still a ways away from that. And there, it's not just stigma and people choosing to reach out, of course, it's also being able to afford services, having insurance that will cover those services, um, having enough providers. We frankly just don't have enough mental health providers in our country to care for everyone who needs it. Um, So there are a lot of other barriers that we need to address. But if we did that, um, maybe we'd actually decrease the need for 988, which would be wonderful. I'm sure the folks at 988 would agree as well. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things you want us to know about uh, 988? What are some of the particular things that you have in your your mind to talk about? Um, So people should definitely know that 988 is a resource for everyone. It is 24-7. It is free. It's um, confidential. Uh, The idea is if anyone is in emotional distress or, again, you know someone in emotional distress, this can be your go-to. So the same way that we learn to call 911 for um, other emergencies, 988 can be uh, that option. So just letting people know that it exists, I think, is really the biggest first step. And then really the idea with 988 is that it's the first step in reimagining the mental health care system. So right now, you know, the, the federal government um, has given about $400 million to, you know, call centers all across the country to try to increase their services and answer the calls that come into 988. Um, but ideally, you know, we would also have what, what mental health advocates are hoping is that when 988 becomes more prominent and people are using it, we will then start investing in services so that when someone calls, can we refer them to therapy in their neighborhood, in their community, in a way that's accessible? If they do need some immediate care, rather than sending them to a hospital emergency room that you know may be overfilled and not able to help them, where they have to stay for days, can we instead have a um, you know crisis stabilization center, just like a, a place that feels more homey and comfortable, where they can stay for a little while um, with someone who can help them through that point of crisis? So we don't have all those things in place now, but the idea with 988 is to kind of take that first step and then hopefully 
that will lead to more funding to create this whole like continuum of care for people when it comes to mental health. Do you see a, um, a, a difference with veterans who use 980 or call 980 when you talk to them versus the regular civilian population? So I don't think I've spoken with enough to, to kind of know if there's a difference. Um, one thing that uh, veterans should know is that the veterans crisis line, so folks who are specifically trained in military culture and to be more responsive to um, that group, uh, you can access them by calling 988 and then pressing 1. So you call 988 and then you press 1 to get folks who are specifically um, trained to to help with uh, the veteran population. That's good to know. It's very good to know. So tell us more about um, the, the what you see 988 evolving into. So this is a first step you mentioned of trying to broaden the conversation, get people more aware, destigmatize the idea of mental health as well. And just reach out if you're feeling like you, you're feeling anxiety or feeling bad. You don't have to wait to the last minute. Go get the help right now. How do you see this 988 being the next? What's the next step after 988 to get more in control of mental health in this country? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things that they've even run, run into with 988 is ha- building a workforce that can respond to mental health issues. So with 988, that means having counselors who can pick up the phone. So not everyone, the people who answer the phone are not necessarily psychiatrists or psychologists, right? But they are trained in de-escalating crises. They're trained in understanding mental illness and the biological aspects of it and how to um, be an active listener. And that's a really tough job to, to be the person answering the phone and, and talking to folks often in you know, their, the hardest times of their lives. So trying to build up that workforce is one piece. The next step is, you know, the workforce of, of therapists and are there therapists who different people can identify with, right? If, if you're if you're a veteran, do you want a therapist who, who understands the military background? If you're a person of color, do you want someone who understands what that feels like to be a person of color in, in America? Um, and X, Y, and Z, whatever your experience is. Uh, but we, we don't have the staff to meet the need to begin with. And then when you add on these extra layers of um, mental health staff who can be responsive to different communities, we really don't have that. So there is a lot of work to try to build pipelines to to get more staff in these positions, whether it's, you know, licensed therapists, uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, and kind of um, some of those routes that they're looking at are, you know, uh, repaying student loan programs, um, scholarships, fellowships, but different ways to really encourage more folks to get into this field because we have such a need. Mm. So what's so you mentioned um, uh, to, um, programs like college uh, repayment and for your college loans and things like that. What else do we need to do to get more people and to broaden this industry? Well, so one of the one of the biggest obstacles that I often hear from therapists is that um, reimbursement for services, for their services versus, you know, a physical medical doctor um, tends to be much lower. And so a lot of therapists don't accept insurance because they say it's more expensive to cut, for them to process the insurance paperwork than the insurance payments they get back. Wow. And so what they want to fix that is insurance, both public programs through the government and private insurers, um, to pay rates that are more comparable to what you know we pay for um, physical ailments and physical care, uh, and there are you know there's a mental health parity act that's been in place since 2008, uh, federal law that tries to make sure that happens. 
Um, but enforcing it is hard, and that's still something that folks are working on. Um, so that's kind of more of a like policy funding piece that needs to be fixed. Um, but that would help therapists uh, draw more people to the field, keep them in business, and make sure that they take insurance so that if you or I or someone goes to them, that person doesn't have to pay out of pocket because then a lot of patients can't afford mm-hmm. um, therapy. Wow. That's, that's something I didn't realize. I mean, so so if therapists and, and people that work in this field are not even using or accepting insurance because it pays too little. That's crazy. Yeah. A lot of therapists are wow. doing that. Wow. So what else do we need to know about this, about this topic, particularly 988 and, um, and, and, how, and the benefits that it provides to the community? Yeah. I mean, I think the... Um, the idea is that this is for everyone to, to reach out when when you need anything. And one thing that, you know, a, a counselor said to me is what's a crisis for one person um, can be totally different from another person. So people shouldn't think, you know, I'm if I call the line, I, I it's not bad enough yet. I don't need to call the line. Someone else needs it more than me. Um, that's not what they're hoping for. They're really hoping that folks reach out, even if it is earlier or you know what what may feel like don't talk yourself out of it essentially Mm -hmm. don't tell yourself your problem is not big the the lifeline is there to to help folks and they do really want individuals to call um it's not just for you know the absolute worst crisis you can think of it's meant for people in any level of mental health emotional distress to call and have this resource so going back again making sure you don't wait to the last minute or the 11th hour to try to get help get help when you need it get help when you feel like you need it that's probably one of the things that people um, are having in the back of their head is that they think they're kind of we're kind of trained to think about 911. Like you only call that when it's a real serious emergency. But 988 is a, something that's designed for you to help people. Now you exactly. Said, and the- you mentioned you could call for other people as well. So you can call for someone else. If, if you see someone maybe that's not um, maybe that needs help, you can, you can call on behalf of someone else. Yes, you can. And so what if if you called on behalf of someone else, what the counselor might do is sort of offer you suggestions of how you could help that individual. Um, They might offer to call that individual if you if you think the person would be open to that. Of course, you know, if they're not, they're not going to call them without um, without you saying so or giving them their number. Um, But they can offer suggestions of how you can support the person in crisis. Um, and the other thing I realized important to mention is that the goal with 988 is to connect folks to local resources. So there are more than 200 call centers across the country that uh, answer the calls for 988. And the hope is that um, when you call, you're routed to a center close to you so that they can say, you know, oh, um, here is a you know mental health clinician in your community. Or even if it's something like... Uh, I need housing assistance and what's causing my anxiety is, is the concern that I will be um, you know, kicked out. I can't make rent. Then maybe they can connect you with a local housing assistance agency in your area who can help. Mm-hmm. Um, so the goal is really to localize that crisis response. And that's the thing I think is really critical, that, that piece of connecting people to resources and referrals in their local communities, because mental health connects to so many other social issues like homelessness. I mean, beyond suicide, it's homelessness and as, as a huge thing. Um, uh, domestic violence, domestic abuse, you know, people that hurt themselves, you know, so if, if we so nine and eight really, hopefully it becomes this a really powerful tool to help people really get connected to the things around them in their areas and their communities. Now, um, now how does this translate from the city, from urban areas to rural areas? 
because the resources in a, in an urban area might be a lot different than what's in the rural communities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, 988 is available everywhere. It's the same way as 911, doesn't matter where you're located, you can call them. Um, if they're, they'll still try to get you to the call, the closest call center. Um, if the call center near you is, is in the city, um, generally the idea is those, uh, counselors who are answering the phone should be trained and able to connect you to resources, even in the more rural or, or suburban areas of the state. Um, and if those call centers are busy or for some reason understaffed, there are national backup call centers. Um, so those are still in place to, to answer the phone. And even if they don't know the local community as well as the local call center, um, they can kind of, a lot of these call centers are in touch with, you know, 211 and city services and nonprofits. Um, so the idea is they will do their best to link you to services um, that you need. Anari Patani, she is a natural correspondent for Kaiser Health News, a nonprofit outlet covering U.S. health care and health policy. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.